Thank you for being a friend. Travels down the road and back again. Bang, bang, bang. That's the good part. Whoa. There's more, there, like the big instrumental section? Well, it's that's literally it. Brung, oh. dun, dun. <laughs> it's just Song's a modulation <laughs> or something. Uh, well, oh, wait, what? Go ahead. Oh, you know It's what? been a while since you've done that. Welcome to, I always introduce it like you. Like I'm doing an impression of you doing Don't it. do it your own way. Just really. Welcome to your inner child is an idiot. And what is that? <laughs> I just like pregnant pauses. This is the podcast where we look back on uh, shows and movies from your childhood and uh, try to find out if they were any good to begin with. Yeah. Hi, DJ. Hey, Damon. How you I, doing? I'm all, I'm Damon. <laughs> we already covered that. We did a little cross promotion. You know what I liked? It was exposition. You in natural dialogue, you explained to the audience that I was Damon, and mm-hmm. I naturally also explained yeah. that you were DJ. It's going to be really confusing because people are going to be like, "Now, which one?" Which one of these white guys is who? How will I tell them apart? You're racist, listener. First off. How dare you? You brought race into it in the first place. Yeah. Listener. And also, uh, what photos have you seen? Oh, probably the photos on our Instagram. 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 <laughs> Gamma. Speaking of Gam Gam, we are talking about Golden Girls. Oh, yeah. The Golden Girls. Not just a Golden Girls. Them. The, the direct Golden article. Girls. I have an immediate memory of this show, which is related to my family. So I grew up, uh, my grandparents had a uh, a home in the Gulf Coast of Florida, so in uh, ah. outside of Fort Myers. And uh, they always told us, so I don't know who told, exactly it was my grandma, my grandpa or my grandma, uh, said that the exterior of the ho- the home their mm-hmm. their house and the Golden Girls was filmed in their neighborhood. Uh huh. Um, just looked it up. That is not true. Yeah. Gam Gam's a liar. Mm-hmm. Why um, didn't they just? I mean, did you ever call their bluff and like, hey, Gam Gam, fucking put your money where your mouth is. Shh, drive us. Put us in your giant station wagon. Let's drive twenty one miles per hour down the street and show us where the fucking house is. I, I just think it's important to research your family history. Um, and actually... By looking on the Golden Girls Wikipedia yeah. page. <laughs> and actually, no, it's not, because uh, my grandpa has passed away, grandma has dementia, and now I'm a little bit sadder. And why? Oh, yeah. Just for truth? Yeah. Who cares? What a waste of time. It was a waste of time. And now I'm just... I'm crying a little bit more on the inside. How about you? Do you have any uh, personal <laughs> stories from the Golden Girls? Uh, yeah, this was one of my first uh, sitcoms that I really liked as a kid. Like yeah. adult sitcoms, I guess. Um, right. And we would watch it every week. And it's... I feel like I've already said this about a show, but I can't imagine... On this podcast, but I can't imagine what show it would have been. But this is the first finale of a show that I remember watching. Oh, okay. That may or may not be true. I don't remember the finale of this. Um... And then I also remember watching the first episode of the spinoff show, Golden Palace, but not the second episode. What was the spinoff? Who was in that? Uh, Rue McClanahan. Okay. Betty White. Okay. Estelle Getty. And they opened a hotel together in Miami, Florida. Noted what? absence of B. Arthur. She was the only one missing and it didn't, it wasn't good? No. 
I mean, yeah, I, and I think when you now, I've probably watched a lot of Golden Girls as okay. I am yeah, legally responsible as a okay. gay man to watch at least twenty hours a week. Okay, um, <laughs> get your and, hours uh, in. You will notice uh, why B. Arthur's absence might make. Uh, I'm not saying the others are bad. Oh, she's like carrying this show. No, I don't want to say that because that's. I still feel like that's rude to the other three women. Yeah, but I feel like she is the every woman in okay. this situation. Okay, I don't remember it well enough. I mean, I know obviously she's one of the golden girls but I, she stands eight foot three yeah she's got the <laughs> shoulders of a linebacker the voice of james earl jones she's an icon and i love her i now this is going to be a little offensive but it is my child brain um i always equated um i already forgot her name what's her name b arthur i always equated b arthur with the uh the antagonist in the big bird movie Follow that bird. Yes. Um, the the very tall. I don't know. She's like an emu or something. Uh, she yeah. Uh, she. <laughs> we can talk about that as well because I <laughs> am well versed in that. She's voiced by Sally Kellerman, but she has a very similar, maybe not as deep, but very gravelly voice. Right. Um. And very stern looking. Even she's if, also yeah. very stern looking, and because she has the same sort of body type as bird, comma big. So it's she, also similar color palette. Cause I feel like. <laughs> B. Arthur always had like purples and stuff. Um, Am I making that up? B. Arthur's wardrobe is best described as uh, nonsensical. Um, okay. Like uh, just a lot of long, flowing, silky mm, top yeah. coats <laughs> over equally long and blousy blouses and long skirts, maybe some slouchy suede boots. So you could never find the the ends of her body in any way okay. possible. It's just floating hands in a just pile of fabric. <laughs> um, it's a very interesting choice. Whereas, I mean, the other women, of course, it's the 80s, so there's a lot of yeah, shoulder pads. Right. But, you know, like, they're not dressed like a clown who just got off work. Like, I'm going to loosen this bow and open my big floppy coat and sit down on the couch. And I feel like it gets worse as the series goes on. We'll probably try and get a good mix of episodes, but like, I feel like in the first few seasons, dress like a normal lady. By the end, it's just like lunacy. So this is is interesting in that it worked, right? Because like, if you pitched today, we're going to do a show centered around four senior citizen women. Right. It would be a hard sell. And their love lives. And their love lives, yeah. And it, this is a, it like, um, not to say it shouldn't exist, and obviously it was very successful. So, of course, now you'd be like, oh, like the Golden Girls. You're but really I mean, winning over our senior citizen listeners right, right. now. <laughs> oh, I thought he was coming against the Golden Girls. Please showing he's open-minded. But, you know, like, you have to always say, like, oh, it's like all in the family, but X. Right. You know. It's um, like Die Hard, but in a sewer it's the uber of sitcoms about senior citizen women (laughs) we want to disrupt the sitcom (laughs) business and obviously this is the sort of this is where at least for people our age or maybe a little bit older a little bit younger that where betty white came into prominence now she she became more of like a meme kind of presence later obviously but i feel like this is where most of us our generation but i mean she was also on the mary tyler moore show 10 years earlier yeah um and i mean she was a staple on password you weren't watching password as a kid 1950s episodes of password the password is no (laughs) um terrible password that would be yeah i mean this is i mean all these women have like uh 
I don't know how big Rue McClanahan was, but I think, uh, yeah, B. Arthur was big on Broadway. When Estelle Getty was, what, like 40 or something? She was Yeah, not... she was the youngest. She was like 21. Yeah. She was the youngest <laughs> of the group. The reason she's so short is she's played by an eight-year-old girl. Right, yeah. Um, yeah, she is supposedly the youngest of the four, plays the oldest of the, the four. Um, I'm not familiar with... No, but Rue McClanahan was also, like, in things. Yeah. When I said B. Arthur was, I mean, she was... Yes, yeah. she was Maud. Yeah. She was also in the Star Wars Christmas special. <gasps> she was the barkeep. Wow. Um, so, and that's canon. That's canon. Uh, <laughs> Accept it. Whether you like it or not, it's canon. But yeah, I think this is, this was also like a heavily syndicated show. Right. Still, I mean, it's, yeah. I think it just landed on Hulu too, but um, it was heavily syndicated right at the, around the time I would have been a, you know, a lifeless layabout. At, what does that mean? It's a message on Facebook. Don't oh, worry. Don't worry, it's just my some heart random, is in my throat. It's a, it's a random person messaging me about the audition that I told them to email me about. It's fine. <laughs> just simple directions that people definitely can follow. Um, what was I talking about? Uh, you the were talking about syndication now? when you were a layabout. Oh yeah. Um, so when I was a layabout, this would have been in in syndication. So I would have been watching it on Lifetime in just chunks. They were just like, "Fuck it, four hours of Golden Girls. Who gives a shit?" Yeah. Um. This is in. So I think that our generation is well versed in. Golden like when you were in college, when when are you talking about here? College and just after college. Okay, I I did not. I saw it when it was on, and I have not like when it was. I don't know if I saw like the the episodes like as they aired. I know some of them I did, but like shortly after reruns. But I, I don't think I've I haven't seen them like since then since right. like the early nineties. Uh, Dorothy uh, married Leslie Nielsen in the finale. Oh, that's right. See, that's right. see that. So, Golden Girls is available right now on Netflix and Hulu? I think it's just Hulu right just now. Just Hulu. Okay. So, I don't know. Check it out. It's the streaming wars. They're not going to share uh, licensing. Yeah. Come I mean, on. This, this shit is changing day by day. Oh, I don't know. I can't exhausting. keep track of it. Um, we're going to watch a few episodes. Um, do you want to... Let's see. We'll do first and last episode for sure. I definitely we'll... want to watch the one where a young Mario Lopez gets deported. It's a very special oh, episode. Okay. Um... And uh, we'll just throw in some in there. Yeah, we'll try to. We'll maybe look at some best of lists and. Ooh, and the anti-Semitism like episode's really good. Um, anytime that uh, Dorothy's Bornak reads someone to filth, which is pretty much every episode. I also want to. <laughs> you know what? Yeah. Anytime they call someone a slut, I also oh, enjoy. Okay. It's really slut shamey show, but it's always dealt. You know, with a gentle touch. Oh, nice. By calling someone just a slut. <laughs> Uh, we're going to watch those episodes. Uh, we'll be back in a few minutes. Yeah. Here's the thing with Kit Kats. They're, not, ne- they're not never as, as good. <laughs> they're never as good as you think they're going to be. Not as crunchy as you might think. <laughs> they always seem like, yeah, this is going to be great. And you're like, mm, it's fine. I'm eating Kit Kats. Will you do the commercial? Ugh. Look, we're just two septuagenarian women doing a <laughs> podcast. <laughs> Living life, being friends. Thank you for being a friend. <laughs> hey, thank you. Because I like to think of you as pal and confident. Two, two things, pal and confidant. Oh, confidant. And, and let me tell you something. Just spit, just spitballing here. If you threw a party, you invited everyone you knew. Mm-hmm. Well, not the biggest gift wouldn't be from me because I don't like to think of in terms of size. I like to think it's of It's not transactional with us. Yeah, it's just like, I, well, I mean, I'd probably get you a card that I pasted some macaroni on. 
That's so nice. But that card would say... And that's going to go right on the fridge. The card would say, thank you for being a friend. Yeah. Anyway, uh, if you got most of those references, they were from the theme song to Golden Girls, which ran from 1987 to 1992. <laughs> you can support us on Your Inner Child is an Idiot. Thank you for being a patron. Dot com. Wait, patreon.com slash your inner child is an idiot. Yeah. Come on by. Give us some money. And we'll uh, keep making terrible commercials like this. Absolutely. Can't stop us. I can verify that. We will continue doing these horrible commercials. We watched several episodes of The Golden Girls. Let's go through them. Let's start with season one, ep one. I don't remember what the title was. It was called Pilot. Basically, they're the. Let me synopsize this first episode. Please synopsize away. You might have to help me. Um, there are uh, four women living in this. Well, there are three women living in this house. Starting out okay, strong. Wait, wait, wait. There are three women and one random man living in this house. Coco. It's, it's uh, Blanche Devereaux's house, and she's got roommates uh, Rose, mm-hmm. Betty White, um, and Dorothy. She's the dumb one. Yeah. She's Dorothy. the masculine She's one. She's the mean as hell <laughs> one. Played by B. Arthur. And then they have a live-in cook chef guy. Coco. During the course of the episode, uh, Dorothy's mom, uh, Sophia, Sophia comes to live with them. Because um, uh, her, her nursing home burnt down. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I believe in a later episode, you find out that Sophia started the fire. Ooh. <laughs> and that's what Billy Joel was writing about. She started the fire. Yeah. Basic gist of this episode, let's not spend too much time on it. Blanche has been dating a guy for a week. They decide to get married. Guy does not show up for their wedding because he's a scam artist. He has he's wives a bigamist. And six different wives or something like that. And uh, he gets arrested. And they decide they're all the family they need. <laughs> Golden girls. Uh, yeah. That's pretty much the end of every episode of yeah. Golden Girls is we're all the family we need. You're my chosen family. My favorite thing about sitcoms, this is a this is like multicam sitcom, your classic sitcom. Mm-hmm. And my favorite thing about the first episode of a sitcom is they have all these like they the credits are the same, right? And they <laughs> they filmed all the episodes, so they ha- they have the credits, which is like a highlight reel of the show over the theme right, song. yeah, a lot of times. But it'll it's like, be where did all these memories come from? I don't know what any of this is. <laughs> I can't wait to see this later. And a vast majority of them are from the pilot episode because they're like, are we going to make more? Who knows? Who knows? Uh, of course they did, but but surprisingly, as we watch more uh, seasons episodes, um, the credits change very little. Yeah, we watched- uh, most of the the shots were still from the pilot episode of yeah, the show, which I think is I remember that pretty regularly happening. Like that, most yeah, of the highs would true. always be like pretty might, early on. They might update the actual uh, shot that comes up when the person's name comes right, up, right? Or just like little clips. There's like a couple McCann- of spots. McClanahan's hair kept growing. Yeah, she she had a thick head of hair by the end of the. Oh yeah, and uh, B. Arthur's hair just got kept getting choppier. It kept getting more, more like, aggressive, more curled in towards her face. <laughs> okay, this is all a sitcom, so we're not, I'm not going to spend too much time like dogging the logic of anything that happens. <laughs> but uh-huh. they have a live-in cook named Coco. Right, he's a a out gay man. Yes, effeminate gay man who does not have a lot of character things to do, but he's clearly like going to be a part of the show. 
Um, except he's not. Is this the only episode that he's in? We only watched uh, one episode from the first season, so he may be in We watched one. two episodes of the season. Oh, that's right. But that's I right. can verify he is only in the first episode, and it is jarring, and even the episode seems to not know what, he, what he's doing there. He well, just the, seems to pop in, and it's always, especially if you're like me and you really like the Golden Girls, you're always like, ah! <laughs> you're yeah. Like, you're like, oh, Coco, I forgot you were here because you're not a thing well, yeah, there's after like one, this episode. One part where, so they'll, they'll like do something, and there's like either a joke or like a cliffhanger in the mildest sense and they'll come back from you know quote unquote commercial which obviously we're watching on Hulu so there's no commercial but right so like there's one scene where he's like reacting with the girls and he's then, like hold he's like behind Rose and like has his hands on her shoulders like sort yeah. of yeah uh, He's just re- mugging, reacting like yeah. the girls are. And then when when it comes back from commercial, he's just not there. <laughs> right. Which was like, thank you. But also, <laughs> where did he go? And then he'll just randomly appear. He's like in a nightgown. Not nightgown. Yeah, he's he like in a silk there. robe. And he's like serving them. And he's not like... He's not like mincing or anything obnoxious, but he, he's he's he, not not mincing. Anytime he talks, it's he's like... He's dicing at least. Okay. Okay. I, well, you, know you know what? You know what? But in this episode, they reference the fact that they can't afford to live on their own. That's why they are living that, in Blanche's I mean, Rose, Rose and Dorothy are concerned that if Blanche gets married, they'll have to move out. And it's so hard for them. They don't make enough to really live on their own. And, yet and I'm like, but you have a fucking chef. gay cook. Dump the gay cook. Not that, not because he's gay. Yeah. Well, find a reason. Yeah. Florida's a right to work state, I'm sure. So <laughs> get him out of there. Um... Yeah, it is jarring. I mean, but that happens a lot in pilots of just this. Yeah, just random let's try some there. shit out. That didn't work. Get rid of him. Yeah. Like, uh, you know, sometimes complete sets will be different and, uh, you know, distractingly so, especially yeah. if you're a big fan of the show and you go back to watch the pilot. You're like, oh, this is weird. Yeah, what happened here? I also learned. So this has got, they have a live audience, a lot of studio audience. I don't know how live. I think, a it's a, track, I think it's a it's, fairly live yeah. studio audience because one guy's just going off. That's what I was saying. Every audience has a Damon. <laughs> you know, it's just I'm trying to encourage everyone else to laugh. I'm telling people this is when you laugh. That one guy really liked what I don't remember what the joke was, but he like went on. It was like either either it was real or they encouraged someone to like giggle as if they just couldn't control and it wasn't that funny whatever he was laughing yeah. at but sometimes you know things just tickle you it could have been real I, don't I know, remember but. uh I love it when you can hear someone say an actual word in a studio audience and this guy said uh-oh <laughs> I think to something Sophia Fuck was you saying guy. <laughs> Ricky Gervais how did you get into the audience come ah, on come on oh god, oh god. We also get the explanation for why Sophia, the mom, is so saucy. So she's always the one that gets the the most ribald lines. Like yeah, she's she the, says what she wants. And it's because they explain it in the pilot that she's had a stroke. And at least she claims that, that it has killed whatever part of her brain Would have stopped her, yeah. yeah. I believe Which that would be the frontal lobe controls that. Whether it's true or not, it's a fun little explanation, especially it's, if you were familiar with her character throughout the rest. It's a little weird. Like, I don't need you to explain yeah. why this yeah. character is funny and charming. You don't have to do that. Right. It's like explaining Darth Vader. I'm like, I, you don't, I don't care. I don't care where Han Solo got his gun. Right. <laughs> well, you see, I don't care a- that Sophia had a stroke and I don't care that, you know, you clarified the parsecs. He's alone. So that's why... 
Solo. Oh, okay. I always wondered why this character had a name, and now I know. And now I thought it was going to be... It's to identify him from other characters. I thought it was going to be Han Alone, but (laughs) he said Solo, so... I just noticed that Sophia's makeup from the pilot is overwrought. Like, they really went overboard, like, really gave her a lot of creases and a lot of, like, sunken eyes. Um, Much like the Florida decor in the bedroom. (laughs) They went a little overboard with it. Well, yeah, they went overboard with that, but Blanche's Florida decor never changes throughout the show. Those those leaves stay plastered on the walls. Yeah, yeah, I feel like... uh, well, this might go into my last point that I always like to save for last. Okay. Well, I've been called out. But I do like wait, that. what? I mean, not in a bad way. I what think happened? Jeremy just one time, liked, he, he cited that I'm like, the last thing I want to bring up or something, I always have like this big point I want to bring <laughs> okay. to the, the end. Well, I think we... And he's not wrong. Yeah. That's just good narrative building. So you what's know? The, the second episode? What, give me, I'll oh, synopsize whoa, it. Whoa, I'm not <laughs> oh, done with oh, the first oh, episode. Oh. Uh, I'll have to say two things. We got Hollywood Montrose himself <laughs> plays a cop who breaks the news that the guy has been arrested and it's not coming. Yeah. Uh, Meshach Taylor, is that his name? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he played Hollywood Montrose, friend of the podcast. Um, <laughs> also, my favorite bit. And dead. That at least friend that of heaven. Yeah. Well, a lot of everyone on this show is a friend of heaven. Not um, Betty. She can never be killed. Yeah. She is a vampire. <laughs> no, no, fact. Well, she doesn't look great for a vampire. Well, the. They age eventually. Do they? I thought that was the benefit of being a vampire. Do they age? Are they immortal or they just live a long time? I think it depends on which story you read, I'm sure. But I thought they I thought they were immortal unless read. you kill them read. in a very specific, you know, by the book kind of way. You know how a lot of things in, in nature you have to kill in a certain way or they just <laughs> keep coming back and how that makes sense? Um, my favorite bit. Oh, 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 you missed my heart. I get to keep I living. To, I'm still here. Don't need this blood. It's the deal I made with God? No, I don't know. <laughs> it's magic. Don't worry about it. I guess um, I shouldn't pick on it. Um, my favorite bit, at least that I wrote down from this first episode, was, you know, Rose is the dumb one. And, I didn't pick up on that. Uh, Dorothy is trying to just encourage Blanche while Rose has a bad feeling about Harry before we learn that he's She's a... She's got a hunch. Yeah. Before we learn that he's a hookster. Um, a huckster? Huckster. Oh, it sounded like hookster, though. No, no, no. Um, like someone who Rose has a, has a bad feeling. Keep going with that. <laughs> <laughs> just just comedy just, gold there. Just keep it's, digging. It's part of my tight five. Have I done the hookster bit? I have. Okay, you're pointing at your watch? Okay. Okay, okay cool. The it's light. It's a term for fish. I'm getting the light. I think it's time. <laughs> Fishermen are known as hookster. <laughs> So before they uh, learn that he's uh, a huckster, thank you. Uh, Rose has a bad feeling, and she keeps trying to tell Blanche, but Dorothy keeps telling her to either directly to shut up or my favorite part was she just grabs like a piece of <laughs> tissue and just throws it and goes, Rose, go pick that up. <laughs> like she's a dog, and she does. That's what it's I love. Okay, you want to move on to the second episode? Of course I do. This is a garbage episode. I'm just kidding. It was a fine episode. Season one, episode 11, Stan's Return was the second episode we watched. Yes. Do you want to synopsize this one? Yes. Uh, Stan is Dorothy's ex-husband. They were married for 38 years. He left her two years prior, hence her living with Blanche. Mm -hmm. Um, They have one to three kids. (laughs) The show's not even sure. Depending on Um, what the plot. (laughs) What what the plot demands. Um, 
and he left her for a stewardess that he met on a flight. Mm-hmm. Um, Who we meet later in the episode. Right. Chrissy. Played by local theater actress, also probably named Chrissy. <laughs> that uh, was rude. I don't know her name. She was bad. Local theater actress. She's a lady who is in Hollywood that week. Uh, she's from Hollywood, but like, let's be honest. She's from the Valley. <laughs> wow. Uh, a lot of alley hatred. I don't know enough about California. I don't know. I've heard it on shows. I don't know. <laughs> She's not from Calabasas. I can tell you that. Or maybe at this time she would have been from Calabasas. Mm. Yeah, things change. You know, Charles Manson lived in Calabasas. Oof. That's where the ranch was, and now the Kardashians live there. If I was smarter, I could make a really clever witticism. But I'm pretty dumb. I went to a meeting in Calabasas once. Did you join the Manson family? I'm not allowed to talk about it. Not allowed to talk about it. They got strict legal. They got a... Uh, it's an NDA. <laughs> so litigious, that Manson family. So anyway, recap this episode. Okay, uh, so uh, Stan uh, and Dorothy need to clear up some land they own together, and mm-hmm. they're going to sell it uh, and you know split it, but Stan reveals that he and Chrissy were, are separated. Mm. Then Dorothy, blah, 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 sleeps with Stan and uh, is so thinking, thinking about getting back together with him. And then uh, she decides against it. But while she's about to break the news to Stan, Chrissy comes and says she wants him back. Um, and he and he stands up and says, no, I'm back with Dorothy now. And then Dorothy's like, uh, oh, no, we're not going to be back together either. And he's like, I got to run. I got to catch Chrissy in the lobby before she leaves. Um, because great sex is better than nothing is what Stan said. Which yeah. is, you know, fair. That's true. Um, I guess. Stan- I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if that's even... Uh, there are better Stan episodes. I'm sorry that I picked this one. Um, what was the first one? Get to introduce... Yeah, right? I, I think, think it was. I think it was. Um, it was the first one that Hulu had Stan in the thumbnail. Right, right. But uh, Stan shows up a lot. Through, I mean, he's one of those sort of featured characters that just keeps right. showing back up. Everybody loves Stan. You got to keep Stan in. Well, he does evoke, I mean, he evokes a lot of great responses from uh, Dorothy. Um, (laughs) There is a later episode where she opens the door, sees it Stan and slams the door in his face and he knocks again. And he's like, didn't you recognize me? And she's like, yeah, that's why I slammed the door in your face. (laughs) Uh, And, um, but he, he's constantly in this flux with Chrissy and going back there's always a weird tension with Dorothy and I'm like you can't bash this character all the time and then expect me to actually believe that Dorothy's going to get back together with him yeah um and that was the problem with this episode I thought it was like it uh, it it just was trying to trick me into thinking they're going to get back together I'm like come on show I but mean, that's 80s sitcoms for you having uh shared a home with you uh mm. at a time when you were dating long before your current love uh <laughs> just to clarify the record uh um, uh-huh, thank you i remember there being some you know some folks that you didn't necessarily even like <laughs> that kept just that showing up just at the house bringing home or going to their house or i think it's dj a- we can talk about this after the show but you're absolutely right i'm just saying i think it happens i think people relate to and it and you and you probably remember me saying Great sex, mm. mediocre sex is better than nothing. Better than nothing. It's a situation, and I think you can draw and then comedy I took, from it. Then I took my toupee off and just scratched my bald pate. Mm. Uh, Stan, you're absolutely right. Um, but uh, what's, are you saying you stand Stan now? I'm a Stan Stan. I've got another joke, but that 
What's our, episode three? In our first of many oh, off-color things, we get we get why, the words. I don't know why I keep moving on to new episodes. We get the words swarthy. Ooh thrown in oh because um, blanche and rose are planning a vacation is that the idea yeah they're talking about i don't want to repeat it because it's it's in bad taste you wouldn't get away with it today but it is it is of the time don't repeat it but tell me exactly what the joke was again <laughs> basically uh something about swarthy men rubbing up against her putting oil on her body right and then uh, he's saying they're saying oh you can do that in new york or so, something like like some because blanche wants to go s- to yeah. where does she want to go saint saint martin's martinique. or oh, martinique. martinique and uh, yeah she says she wants yeah. swarthy man and dorothy says okay we'll ride the subway right hilarious i don't well, think it's that bad of a joke <laughs> it's i mean just using the word swarthy is not uh Right. Like, we can't do that. Um, And also, this is ignorant uh, white boy DJ. This is one of the Uh fun many lessons I learned is that I didn't even realize that's what swarthy meant. Like, I thought it means hairy. It means dark skin. Ooh. Exactly. Exactly. Right. That's the reaction I had because it was like, oh, I thought it meant like, you know, like a pirate. And then I came up with all these words that I'm like, oh, shit, that's racist. I thought it was just a hairy man because Greek guys get called swarthy a lot. Don't they? Mm. So of course, you know, connotations. Can I and, reclaim it know? as a Greek man? Um, I jury? I don't know. What do you think? Ooh, Judges? They're just, they're just uh they keep just shuffling around in they're their doing seats. That, they're doing that light thing again. I think <laughs> I think we're out of time. Um we also get the first time we see Blanche dressed like a Victorian porcelain doll, which she <laughs> likes to do. Very frilly strange outfits, all of which apparently her Rue night Mc- Rue McClanahan gets to keep all her wardrobe. Thank mm-hmm. God. Smart move, Rue. Yeah. Um, she, uh, yeah, she did have very conservative nightgowns for such a slut, a term the show throws around yes. willy-nilly. Yeah. Um, not a, not yet in the, either of these first two episodes. But, but she do does have, dress like a yeah. haunted doll in that, that one scene. Um, we also get, at least, at least to my ears, the first real introduction to the transition music. <laughs> which is very intense and very long sometimes <laughs> very long um and we also get the first I, I just noticed that uh how violent dorothy is it's a very like three stooges kind of violence yeah. like she's not punching people in the face but she is like always slapping she does choke and pinching uh, and like yeah, she in does the first in the pilot, first episode which is seen in the opening credits every week since yeah um, it is a very funny moment. I oh, mean, yeah. yeah. She threw her into a closet as well. Also in the opening yeah, credits. Yeah. When at one point, I, I don't remember what episode, she does like a forehand. Like a Vulcan hand poke, thing. Yeah, to her shoulder. It's ve- They're all pretty funny, but it's also oh, yeah. very, it's very Mo from Three Stooges. Like, whack, whack, whack. Mo um, is their leader. <laughs> <laughs> all right, let's move on. So this is, the next episode was season three, episode 15, Dorothy's new friend. Ah, uh, yes. Yeah. So Dorothy, a um, very special episode. A very special episode where we learn something all of a sudden. <laughs> um, so this episode, Dorothy's sort of in a social rut. Um, she Mostly feels because like she's dressing like Ronald McDonald in the first scene. <laughs> <laughs> so she feels like she's in a rut. Um, she does that classic sitcom move where she says something uh, so out of left field. Then I'm like, I guess this is the plot of the show where she's like, you ever feel like your life's in a rut? And I'm like, I guess here <laughs> I we go. Guess, yeah. Um, so uh, she decides to go to a writer's night at a local place. 
I wasn't paying enough attention. Bookstore, and she meets a local authoress. Um, Barbara something. Barbara Thorndike. Thorndike, that's right. And uh, she actually uh, approaches her after the, the book signing or whatever, the reading, and uh, they go out for coffee after and, and sort of become uh, fast friends. And Barbara comes over to the house one day and meets Blanche and Rose and doesn't think very much of them. And yeah. uh, it's she, very obvious. She steps all over Rose's pretty good Malamar joke. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Um, and anyway, so Rose and Blanche uh, are a little put off by her because she seems kind of snooty. Yeah. But they decide to give her a second chance. She still seems, seems kind of snooty. They give her a third chance, surprisingly enough. No, no, actually, this time, Dorothy brings it up to Barbara, like, I'm so sad that my friends can't get along. And Barbara's like, well, why don't you come? What was the name of the club? Do you the remember? The Mortimer Club. The Mortimer Club. It's the most, as Dorothy says unnaturally, it's the most elite club in town so or something. <laughs> so exclusive. Uh, and... Um, they are all dolled up to go, and mm. Sophia, who had been courting a man, uh, an elderly man she knew, uh, brings him by. What was his name again? Murray. Murray. Mm, get, uh, Glau. Glaub. Glaubman. 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 Something. Yeah. Something demonstrably Jewish, as the show would like us to uh, yeah. pick up on immediately. And Barbara Thorndike obviously is put off by this. Takes Dorothy aside to the kitchen and says, we can't go to the Mortimer Club. And Dorothy says, why not? And he's like, well, because of it's Murray. exclusive. Because it's exclusive. Wink! Yeah. And Dorothy goes, what are you talking about? Is it because he's wearing such an ugly t- tuxedo jacket? And uh, she says, oh, well, no, it's because he's Jewish. And uh, Dorothy gives one of her many uh, savagery. Dressing which down. Is like, <laughs> dressing down. Um, if she was on a HuffPost article, it'd be like, Dorothy's born like, destroys Barbara Thorndike. Um, she can't but, walk again. <laughs> she's been killed. She's also, apparently, all my HuffPost articles are read by Mean Gene. <laughs> <laughs> um, Barbara, uh, she says, um, let me put it another way, go to hell. And Barbara mm. Thorndike storms out and uh, that's where we learn if your friends don't like a new friend you met, it's probably because that new friend is a raging anti-Semite. Yeah. Um, and not that you might need to do some sort of nuanced stuff, maybe keep your friends apart or maybe work to get them together or maybe, maybe you're... don't spend 24-7 around anybody. Like, <laughs> Or maybe your new bit. friend is just a jerk in a normal way and it doesn't have to be <laughs> such a crazy like out of left field like a way. Uh, it seemed a weird... It was a I kept very referring to it as the yeah. anti-Semitic as the anti-Semitic episode, but it's actually even a very special episode would bring the anti-Semitism yeah. in early, so we could actually learn. It's something. just the last like three minutes. I mean, I guess to the show's credit, it assumes like you don't need to learn about anti-Semitism. Fuck this bitch, am I right? Right, true, but yeah. Uh, but it just seems to come out of left field, and it felt like the writers were like, "We need a real good reason that we don't want Barbara Thorndike <laughs> here ever again." Um, we also get. But it is one of the better, uh, the the episodes kept getting better as we watched, I felt like. I do, th- I do think so, And this third episode was pretty good. Uh, I, this is, I think we may have talked about this at some previous episode, but this does kind of remind me, because I don't remember seeing this episode, so I didn't, like, learn about anti-Semitism from this episode or anything. <laughs> but I did learn about anti- anti-Semitism, like, in a very late period, because uh, for, like, most of my life it's not like there were a lot of i didn't grow up with a lot of jewish people or anything like that but it was just like 
not a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was dating this girl once and she said something like really anti-Semitic and I, and I like kind of laughed at looking at her in a way that was like, we're joking, right? Like in a, like uh-huh. we're joking. Like this is South Park. We've watched, we both watched South Park. And oh, we think South it's funny. Park era. Uh-huh. Well, it was like, you know how like we've talked about this, how like people would laugh at South Park, how they'd be like, Oh, you're Jewish, Kenny. Ha ha ha. Right. But then you realize they're laughing for the wrong reasons. Yeah. You're like the blazing saddles paradox. Exactly. <laughs> and, and that was one of those moments. And I was like, Oh, you're not serious. Are you? And she was like, absolutely I am. And then I realized little DJ who was not little, who was like 24 yeah, I was years like, old. If, it's, if South Park's on. Grew up in, in a very short period of time because I was like, Oh, this is a actual thing. Right. Irony, uh, I mean, not to go off on a tangent, but ironic humor like South Park and Blazing Saddles is always dangerous because some people just hear the joke in a different way and you're like, oh, you don't, you're just learning anti-Semitic language from South Park. You're not actually learning that the guys who, or one of the guys who created South Park is Jewish. So, I mean, that's. I mean, yeah. I have my own problems with South Park, but right. well, they're just, like, it just seemed to teach our generation Jew jokes without anyone being aware of what those jokes mean or any context right. for those jokes. The idea was that it was so ridiculous right. that it would be funny. And everyone else was like, oh, finally, we can make fun of Jews again. Right. Um, we also get some new transition music in this. What's the, the t- new one? I don't remember, but it's like... And we're like... It sounds like a marionette show started We are transitioned. We have made it into the new scene. Thanks. It's funny because like in the in the 80s, I feel like everyone was trying to like cram as much in there in into the 22 minutes that they could, whereas Golden Girls was like, we need at least four minutes of transition music. Yeah. And... Another, an additional three minutes of just cutting between two reaction shots over and over again. <laughs> they did again. do that several times. And I'm like, guys, just write another joke. You're good at it. If you just believe in yourselves. <laughs> and I would do one. Of, this is the first. I, I busted out the slut counter for this episode. Ooh, nice. We've only got one, but it's the first of what I assume is many in the series. <laughs> I mean, the the slut comments are said a lot. I think one of the... Well, me and Tyler were just sort of... When it was first put on Hulu... Hulu? Um, we we just sort of watched it through. And I mean, the, the slut jokes are prevalent. And um, the Cosby Show jokes are very prevalent. And the Donald Trump jokes. And the, oddly, the Donald Trump jokes were also... And it was sort of like... I think it was early... I think it was like mid-2017 where we were all like, look, I'm just going to escape in these 1980s shows so I can escape the current like political climate. And every other joke was Donald Trump, Donald Trump, Marla Maples, Donald Trump, Ivana Trump, Marla Maples. And I'm like, oh my Christ, can I get away from this man? And you realize how much of a presence he was throughout pop culture of our lifetime. Yeah, he was, he was a just huge this joke. Thing, this herpes sore sitting on the mouth of America. We also got a line from Sophia that I would like to use in my life, which was, well, goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> was that at Barbara? Uh, I don't remember. Oh, no. She comes in. She says something weird during the first meeting with yeah. Barbara. And everyone's just sort of awkwardly sitting around. She's like, well, goodbye. And she like pushes her out of the way. <laughs> like right after she meets her. Um, okay. Our next one. It's because she had a stroke. Yeah. She I just want you wants. to know that. Yeah. Thank you for that origin story. <laughs> Season seven, episode two, The Case of the Libertine Bell. This is probably my favorite episode we watched. Was this was a murder, murder mystery. mystery. Yeah. 
that's basically it. Uh, Blanche <laughs> Blanche is trying to impress this guy who's throwing this party. Well, she works she, for the museum, so she's yeah, and so she kind of helps organize this event. And she, well, she clearly doesn't know that much about it, but uh, but she's trying to impress this this uh, guy because she wants to be his new assistant. But there's someone else competing for the job, and she's there as well. And then so the girls all go to this murder mystery weekend. Um, and then it turns out there's a, they solve the first mystery, but then there's, uh, it looks like Blanche has murdered this, the guy. The, yeah. The guy, the, the guy in question, his body is found in her room. And uh, for the whole, the whole reason, the whole, it's funny, the whole episode, Blanche doesn't ever say like, I didn't do that. <laughs> She's like, I'm so glad I didn't murder someone. She actually says that at the end. And it was like. Oh, yeah. You didn't really speak up a whole lot in this one. <laughs> you know you have access to your memories, right? Yeah. Um, but, of course, it was all part of the, the murder mystery weekend, and he's not really dead. But Dorothy is the uh, the gumshoe of this episode. <laughs> she all of a sudden has these very incisive uh, uh, powers of deduction. Right. She, she states at the beginning of the episode that she is such a huge Raymond Chandler and Dashiell Hammett fan that she... Uh, mm. You know, she loves murder mysteries. So when uh, the murder mystery is presented at the beginning of the weekend, she solves it almost instantly. Yeah. No one and else she gets, gets to a have chance. one of those. those my, one of, if you're a fan of murder mystery movies like me, she gets to have one of those scenes where she's just pacing around, rubbing her chin and just solving everything yeah. off the top of her head, um, which is charming as fuck. Um, <laughs> it is. And uh, she gets to do it again with the the new murder mystery. Uh, I just w- want to say, though, if you stage a murder <laughs> of yourself as a prank on your friends and it runs for a whole night, that's cruel. Right. Someone <laughs> thinks you died. What the hell is wrong with you? Because uh, Dorothy holds the mirror up to his nose like she does to her mother, Sophia, every day. Right, apparently, yeah. And he, his, it doesn't fog up, so he's holding his breath, I guess. Well, no, they used a defogger on oh, the mirror. Oh, that's right. That's Betty right. White was, or Rose was tricked into using a Betty, uh, defogger on the mirror. That's which right. is also weird, because it means that everyone but Dorothy and Blanche, uh, Blanche were in on the the mystery. Yeah. Well, I guess Sophia was as well. So it just yeah. seems horribly cruel. You not only made this woman believe her boss was dead, but that she was going to go to jail for his murder. Yeah. But I feel like But it was good for a laugh. It was pretty good. We also get... Uh, How's the slut counter doing? In two, well, episode? we get a slut count of two, but we got a tramp count of two as nice. well. Nice. So I'd argue that's four of the... Yeah. It's in the slut family. Yeah. If you were to to uh, decline the word slut, you would get to tramp in the ablative sense. <laughs> we also get uh, slit throat, even though it's fake. Whoa, yeah. But she's just like the in the first fake uh, murder. She's just like has, leaning her neck back and just yeah, has the a slit throat. Fake. And everybody knows it's fake, but still. I guess because everyone, even the viewer at home would know it was fake, they got away with it. But I was yes. still like, it was a whoa, little NBC. Whoa, Primetime yeah. NBC? Yeah. Um, okay, ready to move on from that well, one? Well, no, I do want to cite my f- absolute favorite line, and if you ever watch a YouTube compilation of the most savage Dorothy's Bornak <laughs> moments, you do get... Who's uh, narrating <laughs> um, You get... Uh, uh, Blanche states that uh, because she's Southern, flirting is part of her heritage, and Rose says, what do you mean? And Dorothy interrupts Blanche's response to say her mother was a slut, too. <laughs> Which always makes me laugh. Hmm. Even then, when I was saying it, 
I sort of <laughs> just smiled snapped. to myself. Um, the final episode we watched was the final episode, season seven, episode twenty six. So we did skip a lot because mm-hmm. we went from season three to all the way up there. But uh, well, season three, and then this la- wasn't the the murder mystery season seven oh, as well. Yeah, because yeah, you're right, you're right. You, you know he's tracked by Dorothy's bangs. You're right. You're absolutely right. Um, so this is. Uh, technically part two of a two-parter, but we managed to catch <laughs> on. You. We managed to we catch on. We caught wise. Um, Le- uh, Dorothy marries Leslie Nielsen. Right. Uh, they bl- say who is technically Blanche's uncle. Yeah. Her her dad's much younger brother. Yeah. So he's age appropriate for Dorothy. Sure. That's um, basic gist of the episode. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, she marries him and uh, we get to... Everyone gets to say goodbye, and, you know, it's very sweet. Stan says goodbye. He drives the limo. I don't know mm-hmm. if he was hired to drive the limo or... Well, I think she wasn't a- ready. Like, she didn't know the limo was coming. It just showed up. Oh, right. So she thinks that... I can't remember what his character's name, her husband. Stan? Uh, no, the actual... Oh. The new husband. Uh, Leslie Nielsen's character. He, she thinks... Lucas that, Hollingsworth. Lucas, yeah. She thinks Lucas sent it, but it turns out and she's she catches on that they're not going the, the right way to the chapel and so she stops it and it's uh it's stan driving and he's like oh i just i wanted to give my blessing in this weird kidnappy sort of way and right then, yeah, yeah i guess you'll always be a part of me very touching yeah thanks stan for um, kidnapping her what did you think about the uh what is this wimbledon when the uh, <laughs> uh you know, I the homo- clearly homophobic joke when uh, right Sophia uh, catches Rose and Sophia Blanche. catches Rose and Blanche hugging out on the lanai as they're saying goodbye to each other, and uh, throughout there's a running gag where Sophia keeps trying to take pictures of Dorothy and Lucas kissing because she loves it. Uh, I think she's very charmed by Lucas. So, yeah. uh, but this time she mistakes the 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 girls <laughs> for those two. Sure, why not? <laughs> Let it slide, and she says, "What is this Wimbledon?" Um, I mean, I'm always a little bit more lenient on gay jokes because sometimes, one, the Golden Girls had a really good record for recognizing LGBT right. issues, and for the especially for the time, especially even for, the for time. now, but especially for the time. Uh, and I mean, it's also kind of a funny joke. <laughs> <laughs> you can um, get away with a lot if it makes you if know. it's kind of funny. Uh, I mean, today wouldn't fly, but I mean, it, 1988 wasn't, or 1992 wasn't today. So yeah, right. uh, the fact that lesbians were men- being mentioned at all, even in sort of a winking nod, I mean, plenty of lesbians at the time would have made jokes about Wimbledon. So it it seems like almost like a, yeah, we see you. We know right, lesbians are right. out there. Yeah. Um, so it didn't bother me all that much. What? That doesn't mean you can write a pilot today and make you know jokes about lesbian tennis players because that was a joke then. This is now. What between that joke and uh, Dorothy's wedding dress, which was more offensive? Jesus Christ, the wedding dress! <laughs> it was like it was like being sold by the pound. There was like fabric on it that I couldn't even ascertain why it was there. We got there all these little over, ringlets. Put it on. Put it there on. Were these little silk ringlets that went around her breast. It looked like her, the her, like her chest, and it was yeah. just like, what is that doing here? It looked like the construction paper chains you used to make. Oh in yeah. yeah, oh yeah, to put on the Christmas tree. That's yeah. what it looked like, but yeah. on her body. Yeah, um, it was very odd, um, and. From it, like it, it draped down from the shoulders out. There was no waist, so it just she looked like a ghost again. Again, it looked like Leslie Nielsen was marrying a ghost. (laughs) They get a running joke three times during the course of the episode. They mention that 
their sex was so good that they named it. <laughs> Which was a very odd joke, and we were like, what, what, what is that supposed to mean? It, yeah, it doesn't really make sense, but they reference it twice, but then they say what the name is. Yeah, when Lucas Freddie is Peterson. getting... Yeah. <laughs> Uh, when Lucas is getting ready, they're they're like, "Are you ready for your honeymoon?" And he's like, "Oh yeah, just just me, Dorothy, and Freddie Peterson." And they're like, "Who?" And he's like, "That's what we named it." And that was that was a good payoff for was what a good was payoff. an awkward joke yeah. for the first two runs. And then she comes in, and she's like, "Oh, ready, Freddie?" And then he's like, "Oh, she knows." So they kind of hit oh, it four times. They know. Yeah. yeah. Uh, there was also a very surprisingly a meta joke in the wedding ceremony, <laughs> where every character sort of gets to have like a little monologue. In her head. Yeah. And Dorothy gets one while she's walking down the aisle with Sophia, and then it cuts to to Blanche, and she's having a sort of monologue where she's like, I can't believe I'm jealous of Dorothy. If I'm jealous of Dorothy, what is someone like Rose singing? And Rose is just singing a dumb like kids song. <laughs> and I thought that was gonna be the payoff for the, yeah. the monologue. And but then it keeps, going. it keeps going. It goes back to Dorothy, and Dorothy's like, Oh, look at how handsome Lucas is. I wonder if he can read my thoughts. And it cuts over to Leslie Nielsen. He's like, Yes, I can. I can. <laughs> and then we also get the, the minister, the ministers, like the all right. Everybody, they're gonna love me. They got this, and then he like makes some he's like cheesy S-E-P, joke. E P smile, yeah. energy, poise. Yeah, and at some point he's like, uh, they. He goof, makes a dumb dad. He makes joke. a dumb dad joke, and then he's like, they love me. <laughs> it was a really good bit. It was a surprisingly good bit because I it felt very cheesy at first. I was like, yeah. oh, the eighties, but it actually paid off. When they also made it pay off emotionally because Sophia has this inner monologue, and she's like, oh, oh I'm right. gonna cry. Am I actually gonna cry? And then she sneezes, right. and then later she's like, I can't believe what an inopportune time to sneeze when the, the when she's actually when they're yeah. during the recessional, right? But then she does cry because she's it's happy. sweet. And then we get the the goodbye. Uh, is really sweet. Um, Dorothy says goodbye to the girls and and comes back several times. Yeah, she keeps leaving and she would always say something, I love always. you all, always. And then she'd close the door and the girls would still be standing there and she'd come right back in and hug them again. And then she'd say another speech and she leaves. And then the, the third time she comes in through another door yeah. and uh, hugs them all. And then she leaves and they awkwardly stand around and... and Rose in a very rose way keeps looking to other doors in the house <laughs> to see where she's going to pop in, but that's the end. But then you hear that transition music. Ma, na, na, na. Nationwide um, is on your side. <laughs> Thank you, Brad Paisley. Yeah, I do have the my overall thinking. Just, yeah. I think it's weird to watch these sort of '80s shows. And I think next week we're going to do Designing Women, which also sort of suffers from this, mm. where falling it back into the rhythm of 80s sitcoms especially in a binging environment yeah right uh as we live through the streaming wars as refugees of the streaming <laughs> wars <laughs> um one of the, here's i have the downside my dearest and the plus side. i'm from the front lines of the streaming war i have diphtheria <laughs> and they took 30 rock off of hulu <laughs> the downside of 80s sitcoms is that uh as I hinted, they forget continuity a lot, which is always a thing for me. Yeah. I think Dorothy varies between one to three kids. All of them have various numbers of kids that changes depending on what episode yeah. you watch. I mean, to their defense, uh, they weren't expecting someone to sit down and watch 40 hours of <laughs> Golden Girls. Well, if you saw that much Golden Golden Girls, it would have to have been over a, a long period of time. So there's right. no way. Just like the writers didn't remember. It's not like they remembered there was three kids and they're like, fuck that. I mean, it's they like, might you're lucky been. we remembered their dead husband's names. Yeah, they're more like, I don't remember. Let's try a new one. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Um, and uh, they also have very fast moving macro plots. Like uh, I noticed, I mean, Blanche, of course, gets married. Sure. Almost gets married in the first episode. Dorothy gets married over the course. I mean, she meets Lucas Hollingsworth in the second to last episode and they're getting married. Although they do have a Chiron that says two months later at the beginning of the second part. But it's still like, whoa, slow it down. Let's meet this guy. Let the audience fall in love with Lucas Hollingsworth, Golden Girls. Um, So things move really fast. And I remember when me and Tyler were watching the show, like people would get sick. People would have, you know, Dorothy gets chronic fatigue syndrome in one episode. And it's just like, I mean, it's two just parters were like the bit, like you never really right. had more than two episodes that were like a real arc. I mean, you had a couple things that come back, like Stan comes back and like you have guest stars right. and like kind of like, but it's not really a through plot. It's just characters that kind of come back in and basic character knowledge like that. They had kids yeah, or they had dead husbands, you know, <laughs> ex or ex-husband. But right. like, but like, yeah, the actual, if there was actual, like you said, macro plot movements, it would have been at most over two episodes. Right. And usually over one episode. So we got to move through Which is things. not a lot of time to get something done. So they, like, um, we were remarking on the dinner party episode or the, uh, the murder mystery, the murder mystery party that it, it was like, you get like two minutes of setup and then they're at, the dinner because right. like we have to get there to, to like actually get to the plot and it's well like, that I was going to bring up as a plus side is that yeah. the micro plots actually move refreshingly fast yeah we don't si- need more setup yeah that. especially like, for a sitcom hey you want to like, go to the murder mystery party yes I do and here we are at the murder mystery dinner party right thank you if it was a Netflix show it would have been three episodes <laughs> before we got to the goddamn party and True. one would be an episode from the Mater D's perspective. Oh, but it was shot so beautifully. We just had to hit that ten episode mark. We got a contract oh, with Netflix. The cinematography was gorgeous. Um, look, Roma sucked. I don't whoa. care how beautiful. It was. <laughs> Sorry, that was a movie that has nothing to do with anything. Sorry, I just wanted to. Say um, just wanted to show everyone you hate Roma. <laughs> it was uh, fine. It was fine. So the other thing is uh, that I liked about this is that we could jump around anywhere, which yeah is also refreshing. Yeah, there you're you're not like we were contemplating whether to watch the last two episodes since there were two parties, and we're like, I think we'll be okay. Yeah. And we were then of course they did like a previously on the Golden Girls, and it was less than fifteen seconds of catch up. <laughs> they were like these two people met. They actually they were fake engaged, but then they got real engaged. It's it's Blanche's uncle. They're gonna get married. You get the idea. You're like. Yeah, I do actually get that. Thank you. Right. I mean, I just think, I think watching Netflix shows, I'm just like, I feel like a lot of them could be eight episodes and they're always 10 episodes. Mm. And I'm always like, come on guys, can we fucking just get to the fireworks factory already? (laughs) Uh, I feel like I remember that watching the first season of Glow. I'm like, this could be eight episodes. You do not need 10 episodes of this. (laughs) And it's frustrating when it's a good show and you're like, right. you're just spinning your wheels for an episode for no reason. Let's get on with it. And it's very yeah. weird that we have this new system where it's like, hey, you can, you, your episode's going to be 36 minutes. No problem. We don't have a time slot for you to fill. Just make the, the story. But we will need 10 episodes. It right. It cannot be seven episodes. Yeah. yeah, that's a good point. I don't know. I think there's there's people that handle that there are shows that handle that better than others sure and i think that you know sitcoms often and shows in general used to take a lot longer to get out get their feet under them 
Golden, I mean, Girl, Golden yeah. Girls included. Like by the time we got to the third season, we're like, okay, they know what they're doing now. And we didn't watch a bunch of episodes from the first season, but you can tell like there, it takes a while yeah. to get the rhythm. We didn't get, even like, hear one St. Olaf story in the, the first right, season. Yeah, exactly. So I, I think that they, you know, there's a couple of things that are, and it can be both good and bad. Like they don't have as much time to find their footing before they're axed. You know what I mean? They're like, That's well, true. you know, we don't have time for this. You're not getting ratings by, you know, of course it helps that Golden Girls was on in a time when it had a good time slot and all that, but it was an immediate success. So like yeah. it got the, whatever it needed to like get there. Um, but it is a completely different way of watching. And I don't, I don't honestly think good or bad. It's just, it does get a little bit, especially I think this kind of vibe, like the sitcom thing. Yeah. Um, I don't know because you almost have to make it um, an arc type of thing with with a binge type show because like what's the reason for binging why am i binging it yeah i mean it's like binging i mean that's understandable i think that is a benefit of our new medium because it always is a little ham-fisted when older sitcoms are just like oh you remember ben my friend that i always talk about but the audience has never seen before in their lives and he'll be gone by the end of this episode we'll never see him again (laughs) right uh that happens a lot in 80s sitcoms. Yeah, and just because they had a guest star. We would never tolerate it anymore. Well, and reruns, when Golden Girls was on reruns, they, it's not like they ran them in order. They like almost never, unless right. they were two por- parters, they would sometimes run those in order, but like they would just be scattered. It would just be like, here's yeah. four episodes of the Golden Girls, sit down, have lunch. You know, but it was like, it was not the consecutive, it was not Or like sometimes episode. it would be made in an order that made no sense. Like if you watch, if Golden Girls is on for a two hour block, the four o'clock episode and the 4.30 episode would not be the next episode. But if you watch tomorrow at 4 o'clock, right. it would be the second part of the 4 o'clock episode from yesterday. It was, It's like someone sat down at a at a uh, spreadsheet and decided how to This split. is how it's going. Yeah, not how you would actually watch it. Um, anyway, but let's people, go to- they want to find this, the conclusion to Dorothy's chronic fatigue syndrome. Do you want to go to the verdict? Let's yeah, I do, verdict. of course. <laughs> Old women from the 80s throw me off. Right, because they dress even older than they actually are. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, I mean, it's very charming and, you know, can have some awkward moments of 80s-ness in terms of pacing, um, either fast or slow, and sometimes, you know, not PC by 2019 standards, but what is, (laughs) you know, what with cancel culture, what it is. Uh, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. Sorry. You want me to think about the things that I say before I say them? I'm so sorry. Sorry, I might have to think about any other group but my own for a minute. what a bunch of queers. (laughs) You're done. Oh, shit. What is this, Wimbledon? Uh, So, yeah, it's great. What do you think? You yeah, know this, the gay guy's gonna like Golden Girls. <laughs> this uh, this show is great. Um, Your child is not an idiot. It's uh, all the things you said. You you know we could make a lot of quibbles. We could probably go through every episode and find at least one joke, if not several, that were like not right, cool. Sure. And and you know I think there is an episode where Dorothy's son marries a black woman, and there's a lot of sturm and drang about uh, the Golden Girls hanging out with her family, mm. and it's. A lot of references to the Cosby show that feel uncomfortable. Yeah. Yeah. And and, and not I've, because of Bill Cosby, because of the race thing. And I think we try, like you, 
you and I like try to be sensitive about this stuff, but you know, maybe if we weren't a couple of white guys who grew up with this, maybe we'd be even more sensitive to it. Sure. But like, but at the same time, from my perspective, it's like, you don't want to, you don't want to like be like, that's completely forgivable and whatever. But at the same time, it's, it is of its era and it's not horribly offensive for the most part. Yeah. And so like, you can kind of overlook most and of And pretty ways. progressive for its time. Well, yeah, we are. Yeah, exactly. And we are obviously judging it from a lens of, 30 years later? Holy fuck. We're, do you know that you and I are as old as Blanche was in the first episode? What? <laughs> um, which means Estelle, She was 37 years old. Estelle Getty was nine months old when we started this, <laughs> even though they made her look like a 80-year-old. Um, but no, this is great. It's really funny. Um, I agree that it got funnier as we as we progressed through the episode. So I bet it was fun for you to like watch. No, it's great. All of them. And it's a nice like. Confirmed. You don't need to like pay complete attention to still get a lot. Most of the jokes. Like if you're just kind of like doing some other tasks while you're watching, it'd be a really good thing to have on. Not that I, not that everybody needs to have. What a great review. But you know what I mean? And like, you don't even really have to watch it, says DJ Phillips from the future. <laughs> well, there are things that, uh, it's nice sometimes to have something light that you don't yeah. have to not, not just that you like, Oh, I hate this. So I'm just going to watch it. Cause I feel like I have to, but rather that if you are doing other things, you can still get it. <laughs> you could still right. like, if you're watching the, the setup, you get the punchline. So like, as long as oh, you're no, watching, Blanche those... thinks Dorothy's cheating on, on her boyfriend yeah cheating with her boyfriend what's gonna happen i'm just here for the slut jokes and the saint olaf right. stories well and even like uh seinfeld which is you know uh a show that we both like a lot if you don't pay attention for and it's not like it's a heady show but at the same time if you don't pay attention for a few minutes you yeah. really don't know what's going on like if you for very fast five to ten show. minutes and it's very complicated intentionally like that's part of the joke is mm-hmm. that it's a really circuitous way to get to some silly joke but this this show is very much in a more traditional way just like set up set up punchline set up set up punchline and there are you know middle little plot lines but at the same time it's it's nice right yeah, it's nice and it's funny uh b arthur is really funny betty white is really funny uh, most of the jokes that Rue McClanahan gets are at her expense. Yes. She doesn't well, get... Well, I mean, also Betty White gets that treatment as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But Betty White is... Her delivery is really funny. <laughs> um, is really funny. Mm-hmm. Stel Getty's really funny. Um, it's And it's so is the maitre d' at that murder mystery dinner. <laughs> oh, no, they've been murdered. It was the butler. <laughs> Walks away. Oh, I get it. Maitre d' is a fancy <laughs> kind of waiter. <laughs> what do you think, everybody? Tell us. Email us. Your inner child is an idiot at gmail.com. You can call us, leave us a message, 615-576-0525. You can find us on all the social medias, the Facebook, the mm-hmm. Twitter, the Instagram. We want to thank our patrons for supporting the show, including new patron Little Flick. Just Cuz. Jacob Grimm. Corey Cummings. Brandon Hardy. Christine in Brooklyn. His honor, the mayor. Jeremy Powlin. Joshua Nicholson. Karen Curd. Larissa Maestro. Dan McIntyre. Ghosts in the Burbs. And Jonathan Day. Thank you guys very much. If you want to support the show like them, patreon.com slash your inner child is an idiot. And hey, everybody, thank you for being a friend. Bum, 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 bum. Going to turn back again. Bum, 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 bum. 
You're a pal and a confidant. <laughs> Bada bang bang bang.